0: Episode 189. Do you push, pull, or guide? I'm Steve Maletto from Teaching, Learning, Leading K 12, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three. Two, one. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, Elite Educators, it's Gretchen here of Always a Lesson. I always get such a kick out of you tuning in every week because you're really spending all the free time you have, especially in the summer, investing in your own potential. You're listening to podcasts, you're being entertained, but you're also getting your professional development cup filled. And I just think that really describes someone who is elite, that goes above and beyond what's required of them so that they're always operating at the highest of levels. So, Bravo to you. This podcast episode is going to be especially for teacher leaders. We are going to talk about honing your craft so that all of your attempts to lead others are effective and successful in the long run. So let's reignite your passion and potential. You ready? Here we go. Happy summer, folks. I hope you've had a wonderful 4th of July celebrating this amazing nation with your family and friends. I know we did. Our girls did the little kitty parade in their red radio flyer wagon. OMG, it was so cute. So we are gearing up for this month's first ever teacher leader coaching summit. I really hope those of you who are teacher leaders are planning to join us. I'll place the link to sign up in the show notes. Just go to alwayslesson.com and click on podcast to find this episode. So with the summit top of mind right now, I really started thinking about why some leaders are effective and others are not. And it really comes down to three approaches to leading other people. Those that push teachers, those that pull teachers along, and then those that guide teachers from the side. And we all know which one out of the three is the most effective, but I have to be honest, It's not happening in schools, even though everyone knows it. And then folks on top of that are getting rid of coaching now because it's like not resulting in the growth that they thought for teachers and students. And I'm like, wait, 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 let's not jump the gun here. Uh, That's not an effective solution either. So before we even dig deeper into how we evaluate our approach and what specific tweaks we can make in our practice, I want to give you a little background into what's wrong with what is going on before the coach even develops this problem of pushing and pulling teachers. So hang with me a second. As you know, coaching is so hot right now, like schools are just hiring folks as fast as they can to keep up with what I call the edgy Joneses. (laughs) I mean, nothing irritates me more than willy nilly leadership. And what I mean by that is when we make decisions under pressure on a short time frame and we lack the intention and the insight necessary for that decision to ever truly become effective, It drives me crazy. So yes, coaching teachers is essential for their own improvement, but also for students. That way they have access to a highly qualified educator every day. But... Just creating the position and then hiring somebody that is great at teaching does little to transform the type of instruction that students receive on a daily basis. And I have seen it time and time again, principals cutting out other things at their school sites so they can repurpose those funds for a coaching position. And they do this quick hiring sprint to find you know, the best teacher on the planet to become the coach and say you're hired and then there's no next steps provided. So what happens is that person who is a great teacher might not have leadership skills. Great teachers don't equal great leaders. And when I worked for Teach Charlotte, that was a local chapter of the New Teacher Project, I saw how some extremely well-intentioned inductees come to the table with brilliance in their subject areas, Only they never even made it through the entire training process. I mean, they just lacked that ability to break down the content in a way that made sense for students, even though they themselves were, like I said, brilliant. I mean, they knew their content. Um, And these inductees would get just so frustrated and that, you know, for what was easy for them to understand and then it was just like impossible for the kids to understand and it's exactly what happens when principals pick a great teacher to lead teachers. I mean, it's a different ball game. You might know content versus being able to convey content, or your teaching game is strong, but being able to co- get someone else's teaching game to be strong is a different thing. It's a different set of skills. You know, we just can't create a position in our schools called coaching and assume everyone knows what they want out of that position. And we also can't just hire someone who's great at teaching themselves but may not be great at helping someone else be great at teaching. It's like each domino in this equation is cracked. And then when you line them all up to knock them over, they don't effectively do what they're supposed to do because they're all ineffective in their own right. It's just a domino disaster. Everyone's pointing fingers. And then, hey, we ditched this idea before it's ever had a fair shot at working. So that's just the background of of kind of what's spiraling out of control right now of That everyone get on the coaching bandwagon and and then saying, oh, it's not effective. Let's do something else. And so you might not have 100% seen what I'm describing in your particular situation. So let me try and equate it to something I for sure know you've seen before. So I bet you can relate to the fact that schools hurry to buy tons of technology. And then they pass them off to teachers to use with students but there's never a plan in place for how to do it and what to do. So teachers then hand them over to students who also they don't have a plan in place when they do so. And what happens? Kids end up doing like worksheets on tablets and teachers are trying to get credit for incorporating technology. And then sometimes sadly, administrators are giving them credit. And so I'm sure you've seen some version of this and your school site, it's just the same broken domino hitting another broken domino and it's resulting in an edgy disaster. So then we hang up the technology thinking it's not working and we go buy a different type of technology. And, but we implement it the same way and voila, same old disaster. And so there's this pattern happening where we jump so quickly onto a bandwagon, try and just shoot it off without much thought or intention. It doesn't work. So we're going to abandon it. Get our money into something else and that doesn't work and it's just constantly a revolving door of stuff. Now, education has been like this for a very long time (laughs) and I hope and pray it changes, but I'm just going to assume we might just continue this cycle and we just got to stop panicking and jumping on the latest bandwagon. We have to operate from a place of intention in everything that we do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am someone that wants to get things done efficiently. And if it takes too long, I get so over it. So I'm speaking to myself here too. But it is better to be late to the party than show up on time with your clothes ripped and on backwards. Okay, I mean it. Coaching is hot. Great, let's get one of those. You know, technology is hot. Great, let's get a bunch of that. Like, no, just stop. Think about why coaching is hot. Why is there a need? How can you use your talents and knowledge as a school leader to implement coaching at your school site? And how can you hire correctly so that that person uses their talents and knowledge to perform as a coach that actually produces results? I know kind of preaching to the choir here, but this is just, it's on my mind and it's bugging me and I just got to talk it out. So a lot of the work that I end up doing with coaches is setting up a coaching plan for schools. Just like teachers write lesson plans, coaches have to have a plan for what they're going to do, short-term and long-term. And so we think about what duties does the coach perform and how do they prioritize their work and how are they held accountable? And by the way, a lot of these forms I've had to create, Uh, are going to be in the show notes so that you can have access to them. But my irritation continues to brew because coaches get in there and they aren't making progress. Schools aren't gaining traction in student achievement or teacher proficiency. And I've deduced it's not because coaching doesn't work. It's actually because the approach the coach uses is ineffective. Here's where the whole episode comes to light. Coaches are either pushing or pulling teachers along, and it's not working. Well, actually, it's working negatively, and I'll talk about each one of these in a minute, but we need to be guiding so that the teachers are motivated and invested in doing the work. And so let's work through the pushing and the pulling so that you can change some of these habits that you may be exhibiting in your work with teachers. And again, this can be you as you lead a student teacher, or you work with a colleague, or maybe you have an official caseload of teachers that you work with. Uh, Any type of teacher leadership, the notion of pushing and pulling applies to you. All right, you ready to dig in? Let's go. First, let's ask ourselves, do you push? So this describes a coach that tells teachers what they need to do or what to work on. And they push school and district guidelines or initiatives down these teachers' throats, whether intentionally or unintentionally, but probably because their boss (laughs) tells them they have to. So nonetheless, coaches that push are coaching at Teachers And so the resistance to this type of coaching is huge because teachers don't want to be told what to do. They want to get better at teaching, but they aren't really passionate about the school improvement plan or the district's new curriculum adoption, you know, so getting these folks on board by dictating what to do and how to do it is not motivating or encouraging and certainly doesn't get them to take action. So coaching these kinds of teachers is frustrating because no matter how right you are and what they should be doing or not doing, they can't get on board. And so they just refuse to comply. There's also a second group of teachers that coaches tell things to and this group listens and they actually do quite well, but the coach never quite gets these folks off the ground and it's because they are constantly looking to the coach to tell them what to do next. They don't think for themselves. They're scared to act without permission and thus they never grow to their potential because someone didn't tell them how to do it. And coaching these kinds of teachers is also frustrating because they have the ability and are super easy to work with, but they rely too heavily on the coach that if the coach is out sick, they are literally lost. So in essence, coaches that push will be unsuccessful at getting teachers to perform better in the classroom. Let's ask our second question, do you pull? So this describes a coach that drags teachers along. So whether or not this type of coach tells teachers what to do, the teachers are reluctantly applying techniques. They may or may not be invested personally in what they're doing each day in the classroom, but for whatever reason, these teachers slightly improve, and they do so at a snail's pace. (laughs) You know, they aren't on fire for what they're doing. But they also aren't like hell bent against doing it. They're just kind of doing the bare minimum. And so coaching these kinds of teachers is also frustrating because although they listen and they apply, you feel like you're pulling them behind you constantly trying to get them to catch up. You know, you wish you could snap some roller skates on these folks and get them to proficiency faster. So in essence, coaches that pull will be unsuccessful at getting teachers to perform better in the classroom. So what should we do? We should be the guide on the side. And you might be thinking to yourself, great, you know, I've heard this saying and I know it's effective coaching, but do you actually do it? And I can say, honestly, I still to this day don't know I do it well. I mean, I'm much more aware of it and try my hardest in moments to be much more of a guide rather than like the boss. (laughs) And it's hard because I was trained to Teach teachers what to do. And so that comes with me telling you and modeling and then letting you practice. But it's just really not the best route to go when you're trying to get someone to not rely on you forever. It's that whole teach them to fish mentality. We have got to learn how to teach them the best way without being obvious in our intention to teach them. You know, we've got to find out other techniques that get them to the finish line without us having to push or pull them there. So being a guide is like standing next to your kid, learning to ride the bike. You know, they're struggling to push the pedals forward on their own. They're struggling to balance the bike without falling over. They're losing motivation by the second. They're continuing to look to you for help. But no matter how hard you want to dive in and rescue them, you can't. You have to coach them without actually doing it. You know, you have to be so specific in bite-sized chunks that they can apply your tips right there and then. And then you've got to make sure you give just the right tip, just the perfect tip and the perfect moment so that it actually produces results. And that's what's going to bring the light back in their eyes to want to keep going. You know, it's not just a one-stop shop. They're going to have ups and downs and ups and downs, but if they know you're always right there and you're helping them think through it and get them through it, they're going to maintain a constant desire to grow because growth pain is ordinary and it's expected and the pain makes the results that much more worth it. Here's another example of a time that you've had to pull out your best coaching. So just imagine someone struggling to swim, they're too far out for you to go in and get them and you have to rely on your words and you're modeling an encouragement to get them back safely. So you start using your words to calm their nerves. They can start thinking clearly and reacting instinctively. I mean, you had to be so precise in your language and specific in your directives so that they can put your suggestions into motion. And then in time, you know, they're starting to make headway and they begin to take over their own rescue, getting to shore unscathed. Of course, you were there to to prompt and and to guide, but you weren't in there doing it for them. And through that first hurdle, you started to guide less. They started taking ownership and they started feeling that motivation and you started encouraging and eventually they were able to do it themselves. And that is the perfect picture of what you want. Someone's going to come to you needing help and that's to be expected. And there are times where you're going to have to just say to them, here's what to do. But then you're gonna have to help them implement it, get them to do what it is they need to do. And that is a different set of skills. Just because you can do it yourself doesn't mean you're gonna make someone else be able to do it too. It's very hard. I don't know if you're gifted in some other area. Maybe you're a great athlete or someone that cooks or bakes in the kitchen. Uh, or you sew something beautiful, and then you try and teach someone else how to do it, and it's just not the masterpiece <laughs> that you that comes so easily to you. And so you know how hard it is, even though you know exactly what to do, to get to convey it in a way that makes sense for them and to get them to do it at the level they should be able to do it. It's very hard. And so I want you to acknowledge this is hard, but it's the most meaningful work, okay? This is coaching. I mean, At first, you're going to tell teachers something, but it isn't the same as pushing or pulling because it doesn't embody all of your interactions with the person. So the point of coaching is to make someone great independent of you. You know, you, if you're constantly telling them, then they're going to wait to be told and never rely on themselves. And, you know, just like the bike example, you're helping them in the moment they're struggling to try specific strategies until you find the one that works and you celebrate and you encourage as they work hard and eventually they get it and they begin to try their own strategies and report back, you know, how it's going. And you might even watch them ride their bike and give them some feedback and suggestions for what to try next. But with both of these examples, the swimming and the bike riding, there is a portion of time when the teacher is going to rely on you to give a directive. I'm not saying you can't ever give a directive, but the majority of the relationship is spent problem solving by using both the teacher and coach knowledge and background. You guys are working as a team. A guide on the side is there to support. So the teacher receiving help is going to improve tremendously to the point that they no longer need someone there guiding them. If someone constantly needs your help, you are not helping them effectively or else they wouldn't keep coming back for help. If you lead teachers, you need to think through these three approaches and be honest about whether or not you push or you pull and how often you truly are the guide. And I know there are circumstances where you have no choice due to what's being asked of you by administrators. They're also up against tremendous stress and pressure to perform. But I want you to at least know and understand that it doesn't have to be that way. And so I hope you have the opportunity to work in an environment where you can truly coach someone, where you can take their raw talent, sprinkle in your perspective and expertise and then shine them up to perform at their highest potential. It is such an honor and a joy to watch. So here's what I want you to do this summer as you prepare to head back to school. First look at your teacher roster. Who are you serving? What are their needs? What goals do they want to accomplish versus what the school or the district says they have to master? You know, really getting to know your people is a huge hurdle and being able to pass the ownership onto them because they're going to be invested in the process when they know you are invested in them as people. So I use a survey and I meet one-on-one with teachers and I'll, yes, I'll put that resource in the show notes for you if you want to check it out. Then second, I want you to create some sort of visual that you could put in your coaching space about pushing and pulling. This is going to be your daily reminder to yourself to be that guide on the side, no matter how tempting it's going to be to push or pull teachers because we know neither tactic works. And then third, I want you to make a T-chart. So on the left is gonna be a list of common directives that you give to teachers. I know for me, it's always about behavior management and about instructional delivery. Those just happen to be the two things that come up a lot for me. Yours might be different. So on the left side, whatever you find, the phrases you find yourself saying over and over to teachers, write those down. And on the right-hand side of that T-chart, you're going to write that directive as a question. That way the question pushes the teacher to do the work in coming up with the solution. So it's you're still directing them, but they're coming up with that directive on their own, if that makes sense. So then you're going to hop in with feedback and suggestions afterwards to kind of fully guide them where they need to go. But at least you're prompting versus just telling got to get them doing the majority of the heavy lifting so that they end up taking charge of their transformation and they learn to rely on themselves as they gain momentum. So with your roster and your visual and your T-chart in hand, you're going to need to still practice, but that's not going to be able to happen until you're alive with teachers at school. So when you do head back to school, it's going to take practice learning how to hold back what you know they should do and then find different ways to come to that understanding on their own. It might be faster to push or pull. It's just never effective, ever. And let me tell you, give yourself grace as you practice with teachers, you might even have them hold you accountable and say something like, hey, I'm working on this new thing to be a better guide to you rather than, you know, just tell you what to do all the time. So when you feel me pushing you too hard or you feel me pulling you too far, just remind me that I need to try my new approach. And something like that might feel weird for you to be that transparent with people, especially people you're supposed to be leading. But remember, leaders aren't perfect. People aren't perfect. Transparency and being human is what connects us all, and the more you can say, I can help you work on that, now here's how you can help me work on this. The more buy-in you're going to have from your teachers and the greater the likelihood for long-term success. All right, so spend time with your roster and identifying what teachers need. Create your push and pull visual and then get to work on doing some of those bad habits of solely giving directives at teachers. And those three things are going to help you develop your guide skills. It'll get easier over time. You've got this. All right, elite educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on honing your craft so that all of your attempts to lead others are effective and successful in the long run. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered.